0: Actually, I'm gonna am I'm gonna start by saying this. I had uh, I had a frustrating experience recently with speaking in tongues, um, and it, it kind of takes us to the basics of it, I guess. Um, some some of you know that I was that I was um, help, helping out another church for a while, and some people a group of people from their church went to a a camp. And they were taught, uh, they were going to talk about speaking in tongues one night. And so they told them, okay, we're going to start speaking in tongues. So here's what you need to do to get started. Um, they, and they started making everyone repeat the words Oreos and cookies over and over again. And I got really upset about this whenever I heard about it, because these people were new to the idea. And I was just like, I, I mean, I, I flipped out when they told me the story. Um, they were just like, just start repeating Oreos and cookies, and then like you'll start speaking in tongues. And I was like, at least this is how it was related to me. And so I was like, that's the least spiritual, most horrible thing explanation that I've ever heard. So we'll go ahead and start by saying, you don't need to say Oreos and cookies until you speak in tongues. Jordan, what was your original encounter with speaking in tongues? Oh
1: my gosh, that I I have. uh um, growing up in a Pentecostal charismatic church, I have, I have seen every way possible that they could get somebody to try to speak in tongues and Oreos and cookies is now a new first for me. So, um, nice story. Um, it's interesting for me. Um, and, and, uh, uh, one one quick he- heads up, I don't know if Zane mentioned this, I, could, I didn't catch this, but if you have any questions, we actually want to give an opportunity for people to ask questions. I really felt like the Holy Spirit, you know, we are in the series on the return, and you don't have to go very far in Acts to see tongues emphasized, and so, you know, it's right there in the first couple chapters. And so it it is a significant emphasis of Acts, um, you know. Even though in some churches it's lost some emphasis, it, it, if you read the if you read the Book of Acts, it's significant emphasis. And I would say the interesting thing for me is, um, I, I, tongues were just sort of like part of the life of church for me growing up. I don't know if it was for you like this. I had. A, you know, my parents, uh, you know, we grew up in a, like I said, a Pentecostal uh, charismatic community and my grandparents, um, you know, we would go over to their house and they would pray 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes in tongues. And I would just lay under the floor listening to them. And, and my great grand, even my great grandparents were actually born again in the, in the Pentecostal outpouring in like the early twenties and thirties. And so really like it's, it's, you know, several generations of this for me. And I, I would say that my first experiences were hearing other people pray and hearing other people be praying some normal language and then praying in tongues. And I feel people that I'm bilingual because I learned speaking in tongues, but, um, you know, that was my first language, English second, but, um, th- there's a couple things that come to mind. The first thing was Seeing parents and grandparents and people pray, the second thing that comes to my mind is the uh, when I was uh, eight years old, there was a this sort of prophetic, you know, kind of spiritual mother to my my parents who prayed for me in my house. Went and I, um, you know, she prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit. And I was just very moved. I felt God in me and I just started speaking in tongues. And it wasn't I don't remember it being involuntary, but I just remember being compelled and feeling God. The, the third thing and about speaking in tongues that I remember and my early experiences were I went to this Church of Christ private school and uh, Church of Christ aren't really fond of speaking in tongues and so it my early experiences were realizing that oh we're weird or different uh, in some people's eyes for believing this, and so so for me it was those three things of like encountering God and being touched by His Spirit, and I that, that I mean I can remember sitting on my couch in my in my uh, parents' house uh, listening to you know those around me pray that, and then the other thing was just as a kid like it being weird to other people and so like I think I just grew up with tongues being the thing that made me different from my friends and so there was that sort of early exposure to it.
0: Yeah I was uh tongues kind of helped me be a rebel like maybe it kept me from doing anything really bad because I went to Dallas Christian and I spoke in tongues. Um, I remember in in eighth grade uh we had to write a research paper. I'm sure you had to write the same research paper Jordan. Mine was in Miss Juvenal's class, and we. Um, she was like, "You can write about anything you want," but it, it, this was like the longest research paper you've ever written at this point in your in your um, academic career. So she was like, "Write about anything you want." So I wrote mine about about um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and um, Azusa Street, the Azusa Street Revival, and um, that was, I think, like my my hardcore rebellion against. Against Church of Christ actually she was like this is the most interesting thing I've ever read but I think um, my experience is the same as yours is that like I have a church that I go to where this is normal and then I have other groups of people that I hang out in and they all think I'm weird because I believe in it um, so I think that maybe the the biggest like starting question is okay well I mean that sounds weird but why like what in the world could be the point of babbling some some random words? Um, can you maybe speak to that? What is the purpose of speaking in tongues? Like, why do we do it?
1: Hmm. Um, so there's, there's a – I want to give a couple answers to that. Um, but just by show of hands, uh, really quick, how many have asked the same question in their heart? Why do I speak in tongues? I just kind of want to – I'm trying to scroll through the scroll through the, uh, okay. I'm just curious cause I have some of these questions myself. And so, you know, um, yeah. So let me, let me tell a little story to get to why And uh, the predominant reason that I was given growing up. No, this is not the predominant reason, but one of the big things that was highlighted in our church growing up was they had, this doctrine that was called, uh, you know, that the tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what that meant was they believed in a bab- a unique thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I talked about this last week. And they believed that tongues was this sort of physical evidence for it. And so if you go back to like the the twenties and thirties and forties, actually I went into a church, uh, Uh, where my grandfather actually had his funeral and they still had these old markings up the wall. They used to count how many people showed up last week, how many people were at Sunday school, like what the offering was. They would show this all on the board. And then they would also count in the early Pentecostal move. They would count how many people were baptized the Holy spirit. And in the really crazy ones, how many people got sanctified, how many people got saved. And so they, they counted all these things as tolls. And it was like, the, the tongues uh, became this thing in the in the whole world of just like, oh, it was like, it's just kind of like your badge to let everybody know you got the whole enchilada. And so I don't think that that is at all what scripture points to as the point of tongues. I want to uh, give a, key, a few key things that I think are really key starting points. Um, First of all, tongues, if you go and read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, I would encourage you, you can do that today. There are, there are nine gifts that are listed there, and um, there's, you know, you know, you got healing and prophecy and word of knowledge and word of wisdom and work is miracles, and there's various things in there. Speaking in tongues is the only gift given that's specifically meant to edify you. So it's the only, it's the, of all the gifts, you know, all the other gifts are meant, and Paul actually talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, He he says, I'm going to pull it up and and read it really quick. Um, Because I'm trying to remember the exact wording. As many times as I've read this chapter, trying to remember the exact wording. So, it says, "For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries." So, there, there's the, when you when you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to men. I mean, unless it's being interpreted, the tongues is the unique gift that's meant to edify you. Um, there's this really cool story that is not about speaking in tongues, but I'll but I'll connect it in the Old Testament. Like David, First Samuel is probably the book of the Old Testament, besides Genesis, maybe Psalms that I've read the most. And I really love the life of David. And uh, actually, Bill Johnson's preached on this particular text a number of times, wrote a book on it. But uh, in 1 Samuel 30, uh, David was at that time exiled from, uh, from Israel because Saul was still king. And so he was hanging out in land and they wanted him to fight with them and so he was going to go fight he had been living you know under this rulership in the in the so he was going to go fight and serve this guy who was who, who he was serving at the time and they got there and the philistine leaders were like no we don't want david on his side on our side like he could turn against us and so when he when he had drawn all of his armies out um, while he was gone, they came back to this place, it's called Ziklag, and all of their, all of their uh, wives, and their sons, and their daughters were taken from them, and so all of the men that were following David at that time got really, really angry at him, they were wanting to stone him, and, and it, it, I don't know what exactly it says in the text, but it says something to the effect of David was really downcast because he was he was worried that he was going to lose his life. And there's a scripture here that specifically, if you read it in the NIV, it says, and David found strength in God. But if you read it in every one of the more literal translations, like the ESV, NKJV, NASB, that it says something that I think is really key for us. It says um, that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And so... There's a there's a principle there that we can understand that we actually have the ability to strengthen ourselves in God, not just for God to strengthen us because He will, um, but to strengthen ourselves. And so, like the, the the proactive part was on David, and when he did do this, they went back, they found these people, and they took back all their all their the women and their children, and God restored everything back to them. And But the point here was that David took a proactive stance of strengthening himself in the Lord. And so for me, I look for ways that I find to strengthen myself in God. I would say the number one way over my decades of strengthening myself in the Lord that I've been just speaking in tongues, because when I don't know um what to pray when I don't, you know, when I'm downcast, the the one thing I've been able to do is just okay, oh God, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm just praying. I just, it just sort of spontaneously comes out of me like when I'm driving down the road or when I'm walking in the car. There are times I pray in tongues twenty times in a day. That that's not always that way, but but it's one of those things that really strengthens me. Um I have a couple of other answers to that when I want to but I want to stop there and let you keep going i have there's like four or five whys to me but i'll I'll stop there and you. let you i think that the tongues is the, the the big thing to me is i i there's people who believe differently about this i believe first corinthians 14 teaches us that every one of us can speak in tongues i think it's a, a gift that god um, has made available to everyone. And I, and I think particularly because it's the one gift that's meant to edify you and strengthen you. So.
0: I I have that same experience as you do. Sometimes it's really comforting for me and like, sometimes it's really, um, like, you know, there's kind of this, this context of like, if you don't know what to pray, then you can let the spirit pray for you. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, so sometimes I find myself in that place of like God. I don't know what to pray right now, so I'm just gonna speak in tongues, and I, I know that it's a spirit language. So you can say things that I am not wise enough or knowledgeable enough or whatever to say or ask for. Um, but let me
1: uh, let me answer one more. Let me let me jump yep. in one more before you, because I just I'm sorry. I just have to bring this this next point up. It, It says also in verse two, it says, for he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. No one understands him. However, in spirit, he speaks mysteries. One of the things that, let me back up and say, it's hard for us to understand how much we have been infected and affected by, by a Western culture perspective, which goes back to the Enlightenment. Which means that one one of the fundamental uh, desires of Western understanding is to be able to do to deduce everything into a logical coherent explanation, and so we, we do theology this way we do science we do this way and there's some value to it but there's also some there's also some uh, failures of Enlightenment style thinking, and so. Um, what it says right here is the one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. The, the reason I don't like calling tongues initial physical evidence is because I don't think tongues is, is anything related to evidence. I think tongues doesn't connect us to that thing. It connects us to mystery. It connects us to the reality that God exists beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding, and that he prays with them, that he prays and connects us to that mystery. He, and we pray with, we, he prays within us as we speak in tongues. And so it, it, it's one of these things that it's like, it's like a spiritual practice that actually reminds me that God is bigger than my understanding and that and that if I'm going to have peace that passes understanding, I'm going to have to engage with, a, with God who is beyond my comprehension, beyond my explanation, beyond my understanding. So it makes sense to me that this God of great mystery and this God of great wonder would give me something like speaking in tongues as a significant way of ministering to myself. Because it does go beyond my ability, my understanding, um, or my ability to explain something. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point too for people who may um, find themselves asking questions, kind of in the midst of it. Like, okay, I, I've I've thought this many times, and I don't know. I, I've probably only said it out loud a couple times, but have you ever wondered if you're brainwashed? Like, I've been in a culture that, like, uh, like don't get me wrong. Like, I speaking in tongues has been very uh, like affirming to my spirit but also as someone who grew up in a culture where I learned that speaking in tongues, I've questioned how much of it, you know, I got from the culture I grew up in and I've found myself before, like sometimes speaking in tongues, very moved by it. And then sometimes speaking in tongues and then, you know, how you can kind of like, we as humans have this unique ability to kind of step outside of ourselves, like examine what we're doing right now. And, and, and I've been speaking in tongues before and I've thought like, am I just making up words? Like, or did I just memorize these words? Like since I was, since I was five and now I just know the words and they just kind of like come out of my mouth when I start making noises. Like, I don't know. Have you ever wondered that if, if what you're doing is real or if if you're brainwashed or like what do you do with that?
1: Yeah, I, I have wondered that. I show of hands. How many of you have, have questioned yourself when you're speaking in tongues? before? Okay virtually everyone. Um, let, let's start with a few thoughts here. Um, first of all, it's normal to have questions. God's okay with your questions. (laughs) And that's, that's totally, totally fine. We, we have to understand how much of a script when I, when we talk about enlightenment, we have to, um, you know, that in Western cultures, history, we, we don't really realize how much of a script, a cultural script is inside of us to look for an explanation for everything. And that's just, it's so preconditioned in our culture to look for an explanation. I mean, look, look at how many explanations have been given for the coronavirus because somebody can't accept one, they have to have this other one, They have to have, we have to have some explanation because we are so hardwired to look for explanations for everything. And I think once again, like tongues, like I can understand prophecy. I can understand healing. I can understand miracles saying that I understand how they work, but like I get why a healing is important because somebody was in a wheelchair and now they're not, or, you know, the girl my wife prayed for uh, in Mexico when we were when we were younger leading a team, she was mute. She hadn't spoken. She was 12. Um, her whole life and the first words that came out of her mouth as as Andrew was praying for her were inviting Jesus into her life so like that's very profound and I can see why that matters tongues it's some it's it's in that space of where we don't always have like understanding and I think that's the very reason that it's deeply important for us in the culture that we're in is that is that there's actually an invitation here to step into that which is mystery, that which is beyond my understanding. And I'm actually trusting God. I mean, even like right now as I'm talking about it, I feel the Holy Spirit so strong. as if, like I'm trusting God that um, when I'm engaging with him in this way, that even though I don't have an explanation, even though I don't have an understanding, that it's, there's an invitation to connect with him in this way. And so I I actually think that it's, it's, it's almost by design, um, by design beyond our understanding. So anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm reading Laura's comment here to the chat, just kind of going along with what you're saying. Studies have been done on the brain while speaking in tongues. When you speak with normal language, language center of your brain lights up. When you're speaking in tongues, the learning center of your brain lights up and not the language center. Mm-hmm. There's learning therapy going on in your brain while you speak in tongues. That's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. It actually is edifying and therapeutic. The Holy Spirit downloads mm-hmm. knowledge and understanding and revelation to you. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, Laura. Thank you for giving us a little medical perspective over there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I and I think... I think all those are, are good answers. You know, I, sorry, my brain, my brain is running all over the place because uh, as we're having this discussion, I'm thinking of all these questions that I've had over the years. Some of them I've come to more peace with, but assume other people have the questions and some of them I still have questions. Um, when, when Jordan, when you are speaking in tongues, do you think, cause like, I think of the original, we have the original story of speaking in tongues, right? Like we're talking acts, the, the, The fire comes down and now everyone can hear all the surrounding peoples come to this place because it's loud and they think everyone's having a big drunk party. And then all of a sudden, when they get there, these people are from all over the world and they hear people speaking in their language. Um, So I read that and I've heard stories of people um, from other countries being able to understand someone. Um, when you're speaking in tongues, do you think you're speaking in an actual foreign language that you haven't ever learned? Or do you think you're speaking in some, not made up language, but like, it, is it a heavenly language or is it an earthly language that you haven't learned?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I'll tell a story before I answer that. I, uh, my One of my mentors, Bob Mason, you guys know. One of the significant stories of his life is he went to the Amazon to preach to tribes that had not heard Jesus. And some of these tribes that he he was going to didn't speak Spanish and they didn't speak uh, Portuguese. Um, You know, if you look in the Amazon, it's, you know, mainly in Brazil, but, you know, Peru and Colombia cover the Amazon. And there there are tribes that didn't speak either Portuguese or Spanish and um and you know we're pretty much disconnected from the outside world and he came and and preached to them in english and when he preached the gospel to them in english they actually heard they heard the gospel in their um and so I, uh, I think that there, like he didn't even, he wasn't even thinking that he was speaking in tongues. But the, but this sort of gift that we saw there in Acts 2 happened where there were people hearing in their own language. And so like, it's, it's such a hard question. Like I personally think I'm just praying, not praying in a particular language. I think maybe there have been times when I've prayed in another language, but I don't necessarily think I'm praying in a human language. I think I'm praying in a heavenly language, if you will. And that like, as it works in the way that like, how is it translated? I think I've seen people translate their own tongues. I've seen people, other people translate tongues. I've seen people speak in tongues and it be in a different language. I heard of a story of somebody who wrote, um, I heard Bill Johnson say a story of, somebody, and it wrote, they, uh, they wrote, um, in Chinese and they didn't know Chinese and it was praises to God. And so like, you know, it works. I think for me, when I'm praying in a private language, I'm praying a heavenly language, but maybe at times it's been different, but that's, that'd be my main answer. So, but it's, but it's not pinned downable, you know,
0: Yeah, I think that's good. And I saw John posted in the chat, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Um, And that's, that's a great point, John, it's definitely, there are definitely different answers to this question, which I think is possibly what makes it confusing to people sometimes, is that when we talk about the gift of tongues, there's almost more than one gift of tongues, like the way I think about it, it's like, I've heard I don't know who it was I think maybe maybe Bill Johnson at one point was making a joke about the gifts of the spirit, and he was saying, like, Well, if it's not one of the nine listed in that chapter of the Bible, then it's then you can't have it um whereas we've actually heard of people having all kinds of different supernatural experiences and gifts of the spirit um so I think when we hear of like the the gift of tongues, I guess it's it's kind of deb- you could say it's debatable which one is talking about, or or that it's just very broad. Like we have people hearing their own language when someone's not speaking their language. We have people speaking or writing in other human languages, we have people, as John posted, speaking in tongues of angels or or heavenly languages. Um, and then you come to the issue of like interpretation, you know, we because you were talking about that tongues is the only gift. That's for your own, primarily for your own edification, but then accept whenever it's interpreted. Right. And like at one point in scripture, I think that someone's actually, um, I think someone's actually kind of like warned about giving a, uh, maybe I'm not getting this exactly right, but warned about giving a public message in tongues that is not interpreted. Um, so we have this kind Paul of, like,
1: Paul just says it's useless, you know.
0: Yeah. So like there, there's so many different like shotgun information of different kinds of tongues in scripture. I think that's possibly why people find it really confusing. Can you elaborate a little bit on the interpretation side of things?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to tell you all a funny story. Uh, whenever we were at a church that was grown up, Andrew and I were dating at this point and there was this lady who would come to the church new and she sat in the balcony a little bit below us and she decided she was going to give a message in tongues and interpret her own tongues like every week that she came. And so, um, like the third weekend, you know, we were like, Andrea. we were, we were like three rows behind her in the balcony. And let me just tell you something. Andrea cannot whisper. Like she has no ability to whisper. She also has no ability to hide her emotions with her face. It's like the, Curse of the weavers, their face says everything and uh and so anyway, I'm just making fun of her we We're sitting there, this lady gives this message in tongues and and um, I can't remember if she gave an interpretation for herself right at that moment, but she goes, um like as soon as she stopped talking, it was dead silent, and uh, Andrea goes, he ain't buying that one, and <laughs> like out loud and I was like turning around like looking around like I was like trying to pretend like there's somebody behind me <laughs> but yes our pastor quickly uh uh redirected the service we'll say it that way um but let me talk about interpretation so Acts two God interpreted the tongues for the hearer that's one way first Corinthians 14 it talks about it talks about you interpreting your own public message of tongues or if there's an interpreter present. So those that's two and three ways that you could, you could interpret, somebody else could interpret, God could interpret it. Um, I think that I don't have this very legalistic approach to that like if somebody prays out loud in tongues in a service that, um, if somebody prays out loud in tongues in a service and it's not interpreted that that person should be shunned or that that was a big problem. I do think like if, if it's, if it's, if it feels as though there's some intentionality about um, praying out loud in tongues and others um, and like you're, you're giving a public message and it's, and you're not interpreting or others don't interpret it. It's kind of weird. Like I've seen it happen. And it, it's kind of weird. It feels, off. I don't want to say that it's off because somebody else could have supposed to have been interpreting it and they didn't, but it's not the way it's supposed to happen. And so, but those are the three ways is that the God can interpret, like he can change the, the hearer or you, you know, the you yourself can interpret and we understand that's actually the preference according to Paul. And then third is that another interpreter could interpret
0: Yeah. So I think, I think one point that we're kind of accidentally starting to pin down here is that there's a lot of variance within the idea of tongues and the idea of interpretation. Um, And that, I mean, I think that we're, we we as a church are in favor of, of seeking the gift of tongues and however that may, however that may uh, show itself is really up to the Lord um, in any moment. And, um, and I see Kreshmir just posted up, posted a scripture here and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Um, so, I mean, yeah. this is just, just another exhortation of, uh, that praying in the spirit, um, or often kind of synonymously said with praying in tongues uh, is useful for us as, as those who follow Jesus. Um, so,
1: um, sometimes that praying in the spirit, it's like almost, um, you know, we have a, in, in, um, part of the Western enlightenment thing is we have an obsession with what is in, um, our, our comprehension or our consciousness is probably the technical word, um, but like a lot of times when I'm praying in spirit, I'm not praying like consciously. I'm just, I'm just sitting there. Like, it, even if I'm not praying in tongues, I'm just walking and mulling with the Lord. And I might be going in and out of praying in tongues or just quiet. Like, it's like praying in the spirit for me is like this just unconscious connection with God. Uh, any Anybody who has any questions, you can pop them in there. I know people are throwing stuff in the yeah,
0: chat. Yeah, people are, pop, are throwing them in there and I'm going to. I'm definitely going to incorporate them so you guys keep sending them in if you have them um it, yeah you mentioned earlier uh you mentioned earlier like the the lady who was clearly like trying to speak in tongues or like you have the 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 weekly tonguesers i mean i think a lot of us have haven't uh encountered that the person who it's like it's it's 1204 the third song of worship just ended time for me to give my tongues interpretation um so I mean, that always was kind of, could be kind of difficult (laughs) as a kid, especially when your friends come and you're like, no, I swear tongues is real. And then like the most awkward tongues and interpretation happens and you're like, Oh man, that wasn't real. How do I explain that to my friend? Um, But, and I don't know if you did, but you know, growing up, we came up with a lot of really good fake tongues uh, phrases. Do you have any favorite fake tongues phrases?
1: No, no favorite fake tongues phrases, but Austin here is asking, (laughs) Austin, uh, Austin here is asking, (laughs) is praying in the spirit the same as speaking in tongues? I don't know the answer to that. Like, I think for (laughs) Austin says he has, um, (laughs) um, yeah, there's the bodic house. Yeah, there it is. is. (laughs) Um, but, um, he says is praying in tongues in the spirit, the same as speaking in tongues. Um, I don't know. Like for me, like I know when I'm praying in the spirit and I think tongues is also as often present when that's happening. I don't know that I could narrow frame it to speaking in tongues, but it's certainly connected. Uh, John says public tongue was given interpretation. Sounds like, you know, so yet, yeah, uh, tongue speaker speaks to God. That's, that's a, that's a very good delineation there that like the messages that are to be interpreted are oftentimes delivered to people. Although, I mean, I have heard messages that, uh, in tongues that seemed like, like Acts 2, the, what they heard in their own language was them actually speaking praises to God. And so that they actually did hear something that was vertical, not horizontal. So, um, it's like,
0: it, to me, this, like, I don't know if this is right, but to me, it seems like a lot of times there's a lot of like intermingling of the gifts where it's like because there's a list of of nine of them that we try to, uh, we try to decide which one it is. And I don't know that it always actually works that way. I think a lot of the gifts are just, I mean, they're just communication with the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. in the end. So, so like, uh, I'm not saying... John, I do think that a lot of times that, that, um, that it should be people speaking to God. I do think that, that may be the primary um, method of or reason of speaking in tongues. Um, but like I have heard interpretations that I thought seemed like on point um, that were messages from God. And so like then you could say, well, is that prophecy or is that interpretation? And everything gets kind of like messy right there. But I think at some point, maybe we get too overly technical 100%, 100%. having to place everything where we want it.
1: hundred percent. And that, that goes into that script again. Like we don't have to have, we don't have to have a technical explanation for where the line is on all these things. The goal is to be discerning by the spirit for order and for the benefit of people. And And, and you can sense when things are not in order. Um, but I do think having it we can be overly technical, um, at times, um, anyway.
0: Yes, for sure. I just got a private message that says, see me, see me untie my bow tie. And I think that's a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> anybody
1: have any questions? Keep going. As
0: we're just having, we're just having fun with that just so everyone knows, I'm asking, I'm trying to ask kind of like questions that I've wondered over the years, but I'm very pro speaking in tongues, but, but I'm going to ask another question that, that is, um, has, I don't know, been weird for me at times. And Jordan, you've done this before. So I feel like you probably have an answer to this. People, I get uncomfortable sometimes when I'm in a service and the speaker says, everyone just speak in tongues right now. Like, I'm always kind of like, yeah, speaking in tongues because you just told me to. I'm not doing what you say, but <laughs> but why? Like, is there a? Do you think that that's good and right? Is do you have, like it? You've done it before. Do you have a purpose in doing that? What's your thought on it?
1: Yeah, let Let me let me say that I don't think. This is kind of what I was trying to address earlier. I think that, like, you know, it 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 can be overly legalistic to me. To say because the scripture is talking about 1 Corinthians 14, it's talking about not get not giving this not giving this public message in tongues because you speak mysteries, you speak to God, um, unless it's interpreted. I I think that that is I think what Paul is addressing there is order in a service. And so, like that, there's a this is like a whole much longer conversation because there's a whole lot of other uh, theological ideas that are implicated in first Corinthians 14. But I think what Paul is addressing there is not, it's not like he's setting like tit for tat rules. He's, he is, he is a talking about order. And when the lady keep kept giving a message in tongues every single week, even though it wasn't warranted or invited. And Andrea kind of finally said, ain't buying that one. That was an out of order moment and you, could, you can sense it. And so I think that Paul's instruction is about keeping order. Um, the the uh, reason that I've invited people to is because I don't think it's something that's prohibited. And I, and I have, in those moments, I think I felt prompted to, and I think that the goal in my heart was to engage people in praying in the spirit in a way where people were connecting to God and his presence and it's like it's like I would say actually now that I'm thinking about it the times that we've done that it's like I didn't necessarily know where to go I didn't necessarily hear the Lord like moving us to a specific idea and so to engage in speaking in tongues is just to pray what's what the mysteries of God are and to engage with the spirit And so I think to I think part of it is getting people conscious of his presence and just um, bringing people in this space, as opposed to like, if I were to say, Zane, will you stand up and loudly speak in tongues? You know, that that would be different than I think all of us, you know, just praying in tongues together.
0: Yeah. And it seems like, it seems like, I mean, on on the flip side of it, it has, it has like internally bothered me sometimes before, but on the flip side of it, I've kind of argued with myself. And I've said, well, maybe this is a a unifying thing. Um, and actually one time I, I, I started researching kind of like speaking in tongues as it relates to unity. And I found that, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this. I, I found that some people try to draw a connection between the Tower of Babel and speaking in tongues. So like at the Tower of Babel, uh, people were going to try and build a tower to heaven. And the Bible says that essentially they would have, they would have been successful, whatever that means. Uh, that sounds really like over the top, but it says so that so God confused their languages. Um, so there's this kind of like um, separation of people, and then you have this idea of of speaking in tongues in Acts, where all of a sudden now people from all other languages are able to hear people talking, and it's like this reunifying of people um it's like almost like the breaking of the curse kind of thing i don't Mm. know you have any thoughts of that
1: well I, i have heard some people mention this it's like babel they're going up in at pentecost god's coming down babel you have all the nations being divided in their tongues and at acts two you have them being given divided tongues uh you have all nations present in acts two You can go read this like so there is some there is some mirroring there of Pentecost that that men seek to build their own kingdoms. But God builds his kingdom by giving himself to man, not by inviting man to build up in his strength. Now, I will say, too, there's something very, very, very highlighted in particular about language in Scripture you often see an emphasis on the word and on language at the beginning of John one is our, one of the first, um, scriptures we had our kids memorize is, uh, you know, you have in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and, and the word was God. And it's through this word that he created. And, um, and so for me, one day the Lord spoke to me, I was reading that and he, he changed the word word to the word language. It's like in the beginning, God created with language. And so every time God breathes language, there is creative ability. There's creative uh, power that's present. When God spoke, when God created light, He spoke. When He created these things successively, He spoke them into existence. And even when, like God speaks to Ezekiel in in, in Ezekiel thirty-seven, He says to speak and to breathe into the dry bones that become Almighty Arnie. And so it isn't random to me that the first thing that God would do to release an outpouring of his presence um, where all nations were present was to give a, a language, a heavenly language that would connect us with heaven. I'm actually going to walk inside. My neighbor decided. They were- so.
0: Yeah. But I think that's a cool point because um, I think for some of you who, who have been familiar with this idea of tongues for a long time, this could be something for you to really ponder over is the idea of language and like the idea that, you know, language seems to be God's tool to create. And whenever God partners with us, he chooses to invite us into, um, into his creative abilities, into his thoughts. Um, not only, um, not only um sorry i'm not gonna lie i got distracted jordan was pointing at people and my brain just totally left um but anyway like just it's really interesting to me that god would invite us into a heavenly language and that potentially he allows us sometimes he gives us things to speak like just with with our own brain and our own knowledge and our own English words if you will that that partner with him to create uh, create something in some way, um, but that possibly sometimes that he's inviting us to partner with his language and his creation um, in ways that we don't fully understand. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, Jordan, did I did you get cut off there? Do you want to finish what you were saying, or you want me to move on to another to this another question?
1: Uh, was I muted, or was I just was I just uh, no? Okay, good. There we go. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I had to come inside. Um,
0: so I'll, I have
1: gonna, to do the question for me.
0: Yeah. So here's, here's a, here's the next, um, I think we kind of covered that you went, you were talking about language and how it relates to, um, to, I got another private question though. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Um, this person says, I've noticed a couple of physical reactions to being filled with the Holy Spirit. I've had a quickening of my heart rate, like an animal in my chest, a number of times that the Holy Spirit wanted to use me. Someone told me that was because I'm immature in recognizing him and that God uses that to get my attention. But it's happened to me for a really long time. Well, I mean, actually that it's possible that you're referring to me saying that, And I will go ahead and just say right now that I don't think it means you're immature or that God has to get your attention. If it was me that said that. Um, But I have said before that, that God used to always give me stronger physical reactions when he was trying to talk to me or get me to do something. And I found that the more readily I was available, that some of those things went away. And so on the flip side of it being that God, uh, that it's like a crutch um i was bothered that those things went away um i i was i was bothered that um that some of those things went away but then god told me well i didn't i didn't you don't need those things right now so i took them away so you can just know that you hear my voice without the like you know pounding in your chest yes that was my mom i just didn't want to out her because i didn't know if she sent it privately on purpose um but so she finished by saying, I feel that my physical body just has a recognition of the Holy Spirit in me and at work in me. Do you guys have anything like that?
1: Yes. Yes. I, and I, I would say that how many of you, just by show of hands, um, just by show of hands, how many people here have felt something physical with the presence of God? Just by show of hands. Okay. Okay. Like it's the most unexplainable thing, but it's the most encouraging thing to feel that God is physically present. And that phenomenon has been present. Like if if you look at revival history, which I spent a pretty good while a few years studying revival history and that type of thing is, has been present for since, since really the beginning of the church There are times when God um, uniquely awakens people and in all of those moments, people had physical sensations. Um, I, I think that like, to me, like the point is, is less about when, when they talked about initial physical evidence in the Pentecostal movement, what they were trying to understand is how do we quantify if somebody has been baptized? Because they needed what the it essentially, the way they were thinking about it was, unless somebody's been baptized in the spirit, they can't be a minister or they can't be an elder or they can't be a deacon or they can't be whatever. And so they were looking for a technical way to, to determine. So there's a difference between we don't need a physical evidence to we judge the fruit of a person to know are they capable for leadership is the spirit on their life i can judge i can look at the fruit of a person's life and know if they have power to be a witness that's the evidence as far as god giving us evidence is absolutely he gives us evidence is cuz he's wanting us to be drawn in so there's a difference between when a denomination talks about evidence that was rooted in a in a past reality of trying to quantify who could fill certain positions and and what we were going to count um as a person baptizing the spirit, but God absolutely gives us evidences.
0: Yeah, and I mean I definitely I've definitely had a lot of different physical reactions in in uh in different ways. I, I know that common responses to the spirit, like I'm I'm just kind of acknowledging that speaking in tongues is just one, it is a gift, and it is to me, I believe, a response to the spirit. Um, and I would say that kind of in relation to that, I've seen and had many responses to the spirit, um, physically, mentally. Um, you know, I would say that crying and laughing are both pretty common responses that I've seen people have to the spirit and somewhat um, experienced myself at times. Um, For me, crying was a more uh, just in my own life historically was more common. Uh, But although I would say that growing up, I saw my mom often respond by laughing hysterically, and sometimes when you see people in one of those positions, it's actually quite funny to watch. Maybe it it brings joy to the whole community. Um, But I remember uh, I remember going to Bethel Church for the first time with a group of people, and when we were there man, the whole laughing thing, it just seemed, I was being a little judgmental, like, and I believed it the whole time I was there. I believed like some of this is very legit. But then there was this one group of people that we ended up calling, I don't know, the laugh crew or something like that. Because it was just like, they walked around laughing for the whole week we were there. Like we'd be eating dinner and they'd come around to our table, like laying hands on people and just laughing. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know if this is real. Like you guys are over the top. So I, I kind of like maybe got skeptical about, about some of what was going on. And so this is just a personal story of mine. So we came back from we came back from Bethel and there were a few of us who had been uh who had been there hanging out at uh it was at Jordan's parents' old house, um, Gary and Cherie's old house. And so um, we had been swimming or something, and then we, was like, we were like, we need to do something else. What should we do? And I was like, guys, I have an idea. We could just be like the laugh crew, and we can just laugh. And everyone was like, okay, Zane, shut up. We get it. And so then, man, Holy Spirit just like came on me, and I lost it. I just started dying laughing. I was on the couch, and I was just rolling around the couch laughing. And they were like, okay, we get it. You're taking the joke too far. And I was like, no, it's not a joke. Like, I just – I couldn't stop laughing for several minutes. And it was just like overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And it was just like God was telling me like, oh, yeah, you want to make fun of my stuff? Well, here it is, you know. So I went from honestly being in no position of spiritual seeking to just like being uncontrollably laughing um, just on a random day for no reason, uh, just because God wanted to show me. So I think that it's, it is funny how God will teach you. And it is, um, it's interesting how God will show himself to you in all kinds of different physical manifestations or the way that, that he chooses to overwhelm you and the way that he um, he does it in such a way that sometimes you're, you're gonna have a physical response to it. And I, I think that that goes along with what Kreshmir just posted in the chat. Just like, we do not believe Um, And just like I was saying with the list of nine gifts not being an exhaustive list, like there are other gifts God could give you. We do not believe that um, for something to be legitimate, that it has to have been written in the Bible. Like there are probably many ways that people responded to God uh, that were not written in Scripture, and we would still acknowledge them as a move of God. Would you agree, Jordan?
1: Yeah, no, and I, I think it's it's important to acknowledge too that that sometimes we have this mindset there of like that, well, we want the supernatural and the miraculous, but we want it not weird. And I've even said that. But it just doesn't always come in that package. Like, so and sometimes it actually comes in a package that offends us. And that is, it's not necessarily a... Uh, discounter of something that you can't understand it or, or, or you can't explain it. And sometimes God, you know, Jesus, did, Jesus was this for the Pharisees. He, he was the stumbling block and he was the offense. And first Corinthians one and two is probably the most significant scriptures in the way that we're supposed to, how we're supposed to think about our understanding that they, they both talk about how we understand things and it's by the spirit. No one knows the spirit of man except for, no one knows the mind of man except for the spirit of man. No knows the mind of God except the spirit of God. And so like the whole talk there is that God offends, uh, he, he, re, he, gives, um, he gives things that are uh, revealed through children. He gives things that are offending our minds. He, uh, you know, he confounds the wise, the wisdom of the wise. And so, um, yeah, I, uh, before we, you know, I, I want to kind of wrap up here cause we, you know, we have been going long. I, I want to talk about two things and we're going to pray for people to receive a gift of tongues. And we're going to pray for those who haven't spoken tongues for a while, that God's going to stir this gift up in you. That's one thing that Paul does. There's two ways that we receive a gift the, the, one of the ways is what happened in Acts. They asked, they sought God for ten days. Jesus told them it was coming, and they waited on Him and they received. The other way is that those who carried this gift to impart went and prayed over people, and they received it instantaneously. And so, in my mind, there you can there's a waiting on God that often happens, and sometimes there's an instantaneous. Thing that happens, especially when there's a gift to impart present. Um, t- two other things to note. So we're gonna pray for um, impartation to happen. The second, the, the, the other two things I want to mention is that in scripture it seems that there are times when the spirit comes on people in an unction sort of way where it feels like it almost hijacks not the will of the person, but it's like God is moving in a way that's beyond their merely voluntary participation. Like I would say that every person has to be voluntary to some degree, but it, it, it seems that there are times when God moves on people so strongly that it's just like, it feels like it's coming from another place. I have felt this before. Um, it would be like when Saul was walking alongside and he connects with the school of prophets and instantly he starts prophesying or, you know, it would be like when people fall down or they, you know, it, it's sort of beyond you a little bit. Um, I don't think anything's entirely beyond you because I don't think God will violate your will. Uh, Like that's real clear to me in scripture. The second way is that we participate. And I think the majority of them are not unction. The majority of our operation and the gifts of the spirit is us deciding that we're going to participate with what God has made available to us. And so I don't wait for God to compel me to speak in tongues. I just pray. And I will always live with the awareness that I can doubt myself. I can doubt with, like, I can doubt whether this is real or, but that like you, God doesn't give you concrete bits of evidence like a scientific experience. He is a revelation. God, he is a revealing God. He is not, he is not one who comes down and says, all right, like, you know, I've written it on your kitchen sink so that you can see it. He reveals and he, and he woos us. And so I practice the gift of tongues, not just waiting for God to compel me. I pray in tongues. And so I want to pray. I want it to be a little bit demystified for us in that I want to pray and let you know that it's okay to just, to simply just pray in tongues as you pray. Like that's okay. You don't have to wait for this like mysterious language to just start pouring out of your mouth. Like you can pray and engage your heart with the spirit of God. And so what I'd like to do is I have everybody to close their eyes. And I want you to, to think of it this way. You're either in one of three camps. You're either in this camp of, I, I've never prayed in tongues or I've hardly ever prayed in tongues. Um, I have prayed in tongues and I've, and this has been kind of dormant in my life. Or the third camp would be, um, I pray in tongues often. If you are in the gift, if you're in the uh, first camp, I want you to pray that God will give you the gift and the courage to pray and trust him because it's always courage to trust God. That's that's the invitation is that we are courageous enough to trust the, the one who loves us the most. And so I want to pray that God will give you the gift and that you will have courage to participate in the gift. The second group of you, God wants to awaken it in you today. And I'm just speaking that He will awaken it to you. And the third group, I want you to pray with me that God gets a hold of the other two groups. And so just open, close our eyes and open our hands. And we just pray, God, we ask you to come and stir our hearts. Fan the flame of the gift of God that you've put in us. I pray that you will fan the flame of tongues for some and that you will give the gift of tongues to others. And so just ask him right now. The scripture says that we ask and we shall be given. So we just say, God, we ask you to give us the gift of tongues. We ask you to stir in us up the gift of tongues. God, we just, we thank you, Lord, just do it right now. We pray that you would not, you would remove doubt. And that we would recognize it's okay to ask questions with you. But that you would remove our fear and you would give us courage to walk in the gift. And so we say, Holy Spirit, give every person your fire right now. In Jesus' name. I just want to give you a moment right here. If you feel compelled to pray in tongues, where you're at, you can pray in tongues.